Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Wow, it goes live way faster now. You see that? Remember, it used I didn't to take, know. Like, I was. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> distracted as usual. Yeah. Um, apparently, the YouTube technology has been upgraded, everyone, because we've seen two different changes. One is that the live, the the time from you're just sitting alone talking to the computer to your live talking in front of the whole internet. It's very, it's very dramatically reduced. Um, secondarily, they've changed their entire studio or creator studio as they call it UI. And so it was, um, oh, it's also chilly day in the background if you guys can see that, it's pretty exciting. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. So if you are trying to create a YouTube live stream, uh, beware the new UI. With that, I'll say, hello, dearies. <laughs> Welcome to Undersampled Radio, episode 84. It's been a while since I've said that. Mm -hmm. What's up, mm -hmm. Matt? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. As, as I was just about to say when you sent us live, I was just about to say how much I've missed you. Oh, yeah. too, man. It yeah. has been how many months since we last had a show? Uh, well, I think the last thing we did together was your was the hackathon, the yep. uh, which was August, was it? I was just searching my calendar for that. Hackathon. I feel like it was in the heat of the summer. Good. Uh, oh, here we go. Yep, July twenty ninth. Okay. And then, yeah, and then you, I think you put up the presentations from that hackathon, which are well worth watching. Um, and that was it. And then we kind of, and then it was kind of, I guess then it was summer break. And then we forgot about the whole semester. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, everyone was, everyone was just too busy, having a good time, swanning around, twiddling their thumbs, doing, Cool stuff, probably. I don't know <laughs> what you were doing. Well, we'll get hopefully we'll find out. We'll get to that. That's in the notes. But before we do, yeah. are we back, or is this just a one-off? A flash in the pan, a, a fling for old time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. I mean, I love doing these. It's it's fun. It's you know, it's. Given how, I mean, I know that, that there's a, a very large amount of preparation that goes on, and it's that's all a bit heavy, like the hours of, of stuff that we put into it. Um, but but actually doing the show is is a blast, and uh, if we can cut down a little bit on the preparation, <laughs> then uh... <laughs> our listeners may not realize that there is any preparation at all. Uh, but yeah, it's hard work. It's hard work, man. Um... So 
I like doing these shows too. They're 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 great fun. It's good fun to catch up with you, and I really enjoy meeting virtually, especially new people that we have in the show and hearing about what's going on in their worlds. Um, I ain't making any promises though. No, well. You know, we're not in the business of promises. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I was flicking through the, uh, uh, the well, I guess, uh, undersampled radio website earlier, looking at all Wait, the What's that website, by the way? Uh, undersampledrad.io. <laughs> There's also, you can also go to the um, YouTube channel, undersampled radio channel, um, which I think is just missing some of the early episodes, but... Um, Certainly, it's got the vast majority of them are on there too, and yeah, I you know a lot of good memories, a lot of people, the whole rogues gallery of um, geoscientists, data scientists, random folks we picked up along the way. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. I've heard I've heard from a, a couple of our previous guests about their experience on the show and how they they were introduced to people because they they advertised or whatever their own episode um and that's awesome mm, so yeah, it's, cool. it's doing something exactly yeah so anyway the ripple effect let's get more of that yep <laughs> um second also if anyone wants to give us some cash to do this show uh we'd be much more motivated <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's hard work and it's expensive, folks. Mm -hmm. With that said, let's talk about episode number eighty-four. We've we got to make it to episode one hundred for the sake of fireworks and laser beams. Okay, I wish. Yeah. Okay, we're still on the base ten. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. God, I forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was shooting for one hundred and twenty-eight, but whatever, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'll be happy if we make it to 85. Um, where are we? Your first note on the list is where are we? But I think our, our uh, repeat listeners or repeat viewers will be able to tell where we are based on our backgrounds. Yeah, we're, yeah, we seem to be in our home bases. I see you're there in your apartment in beautiful Austin, Texas. I am. And I'm here in my cubby hole. In my ex co-working space, well, uh, in Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia, Canada, eh? But yeah, I said, I, well, it's not an ex co-working space. Uh, it's ex my co-working space. Uh, did you sell out? Did you go corporate? Yeah, yeah, we sold out. We we um, you know, it was a pretty pretty major transaction. It hit most of the newspapers in mm. Canada. Um, yeah. you know, a big takeover like that is always gonna mm -hmm. ruffle a few feathers, but um, yeah, we we got bought out. By, <laughs> it's my first exit, yeah, of uh, of a startup. We got bought out by the co working space from the next town over, ah. um, which was started by a friend of ours and indeed member of ours, um, ah. one of our early signups who realized that there was. There were more co-workers potentially to be had uh, in the next town over. So he went over there and did that. And his business, Mashup Lab, is totally oriented around 
entrepreneurship and supporting small businesses in rural Nova Scotia. So it, like that, the hub and his co three co-working space are completely pointing in the same direction. And it seemed to just make a lot of sense. So, at, you know, and uh, the, quite honestly, I've been away so much lately. And um, one of my co-founders, Dave, who's here all the time, uh, it was also getting too much for him. So it's been good. So what good. you're really saying is that now Understampled Radio is paying rent too. <laughs> That's right. I mean, the, the expenses are mounting up Indeed. quite substantially. So yeah, as you say, donations, most welcome. Where have you been traveling so much? We've been, uh, we, so in September, I basically moved to Europe for three months so my whole family came with me and uh, we spent september in norway and then they went to france i went to the uk and bounced between the uk and norway for a while so there was yeah a lot of oslo harstad even in november the dark north of norway what is inside harstad? the arctic circle it's like what it's a long way north in, in Norway, up near the, the uh, Lofoten Islands, if you know where those are. I thought you were going to say up near Santa. Very beautiful if you get to see it in the daylight, which ah. we didn't. Um, <laughs> what was and, it? Was it uh, business or what? Yeah, this is all either teaching um, our geocomputing class, which is Python for, uh, for geoscientists and subsurface people, or running events for slash with people hackathons so we did several i'm not sure how many five or six hackathons a couple of conferences and taught the course nine times i think or 12 times or something yeah it was it was intense and then that's continued actually after christmas so we're evan and diego teaching right now in calgary uh we've already done the course four times i think this year so yeah oh, you know it's it's february I know it's crazy. It's awesome. Like, I I just it gives me uh, it gives me goosebumps because when I think about com like compared to this time last year, I think we've taught over three hundred people, nearly four hundred. So there's all these people out there, you know, installing Python, inst like doing geophysics, doing geology uh, in code, having fun with Matplotlib, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's this whole sort of rising tide of digital scientists out there. It's pretty cool. So, you know, I mean, obviously, they all go off in different directions after the class, and some of them probably find it a bit hard to continue on their own. You know, there's always a bit of that, a bit of friction. Um, but, I, you know, we hear from some of them are off doing all sorts of cool things and want to, like, I got an email today from a guy who's just built his first web app. Um chatting to someone on email about how they can package the stuff they've been writing so others can install it so i mean yeah it's it's pretty cool it's been fun uh, to be part of speaking of the rising tide of geo <laughs> science um computing what how does that look from your angle so now i'm like i'm an outsider looking in and i do hear again and again that finally modern analytics techniques and geocomputing are taking off and getting investment from upper level management and um like what what does the landscape look like now so it's been six yeah. eight months since we talked 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely the case that um, it's fully permeated the, the you know management. <laughs> so right, so it's gone that far. Like the the sponge is completely saturated uh, at this point. But you know, as usual, some of that message is coming down. Like some of it's coming from the you know VPs and the board saying, "What's our story around digitalization?" You know that's that's the big buzzword still, um, but a lot of it is is coming up too from the uh, engineers, scientists, professionals who are doing their work and realizing, wow, I need access to this database. I need that data set to be in order. What what's our? Can I open source this tool that we've written? Um, can I go to this weird sounding conference on digital exploration? Like there was one last week in Oslo. So you know that's. It's coming from from sort of both directions in these organizations, and um, so the message is definitely like that bit's over, right? The everyone knows you can use all these words uh, with people, and people at least will nod and, and go, "Yeah, digital transformation." Um, so next, I guess we get maybe there's the hype wave still hasn't passed through yet like that's still happening so there's a lot of marketing stuff there's a lot of what you might call cookie licking uh land grabbing going on you know yeah i just heard this cookie licking expression the other day and i love it because it's exactly right it's, it's it's better than the analogy with with the dogs which we won't go into <laughs> on the show but yes yeah so cookie licking is where you like see the cookie you want you don't want it right now but you lick it so that no one else can eat it and um i guess it's like staking claims and that's going on big time so at this dig dig x i guess the name of the conference was um last week i mean every other presentation on day one was like um we're building an open data platform it will be the one true open data platform uh that you know that you've been waiting for um which was interesting none none of them so far are open <laughs> weirdly so uh that's also interesting and another story um then there's the a lot of people talking about cross-industry collaboration like we've got to do more open stuff we need more open data uh um it, one or two presentations even mentioned open source software and yeah, I think then, of course, there's the usual what you expect from service companies, probably Agile included. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to be objective about how our messages look from the outside. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of like, we've built all these amazing models and done all these amazing machine learning projects. No one's done more machine learning projects than us. We get 99.3% accuracy on everything we do. And this took one hour and, you know, that that kind of thing is a lot of that. So, um, and you know, in the absence of any benchmarks or any open accessible results, you could pretty much say whatever you like. Just hope that people believe you essentially or go, oh, wow, hmm. Th that other company told me they only got 98.7%. So I think we will go with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 
So the hype wave is, is rolling in. The, the hype tide is rising. I like this. We had ripple effects and waves and tides. This has been a very <laughs> water-oriented show. Um, yeah. What's the what's the action quotient on on the hype? Is well, I mean that's it's hard to say, right? I mean, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess like we we usually name names, right? Um, so I mean. You got you got companies like Cognite, who are I think entirely owned by Arca BP in Norway, still. Mm -hmm. But they got a lot of people. I think they have tons of money. Like they have developers. They're building stuff. They have a GitHub with stuff on it. But I, as far as I know, their platform is actually not like you have to go pay for their platform, and then you can use all the cool stuff that they're writing on top of it. Um, so they're making a lot of noise and seem to be doing a lot of stuff. But they're owned by an oil company, and I think it's basically just a commercial offering. I mean, I think that's their they're, they're the data liberation front company, right? That kind of took Google's uh, data liberation front buzz, if you like, and put it around uh, their offering. So I like I, you can't touch their stuff, so it's it's hard to know. But for sure, they've got a thing, and it's real. I've seen it in action at the hackathon in uh, in Stavanger in September. Um, Shell have this thing called the Open Subsurface Data Universe, OSDU, which is an open data platform. It's being, yeah. it's being administrated by the, uh, the open group who do open source stuff. Uh, but right now, I think my impression is it's in some sort of incubation phase where you have to join uh, the open group in order to be part of or see what's going on. So it costs a few thousand bucks. Um, so that's not open yet either. Uh, and then, you know, I guess Teradata have a platform. Um, some of the oil companies have internal platforms that they're talking about. And I, I you know, I, the, I believe a lot of the stuff I'm seeing at oil companies, like that's real. I've, you know, I've seen some of it in action. Um, Blueware is another company with an open data platform. Or maybe they haven't used the word open with theirs, but they've got some sort of offering. They talk about open source as well. I've seen them do some cool salt stuff, you know, the usual salt interpretation, neural network stuff. And it looks pretty cool, but again, can't actually touch it yet. So, like, so, you know, one of them told me the other day, oh, you can just kind of um, import blueware and then go do blueware.awesome on my data set and uh, away you go three lines of code da, da, da. and I'm like cool that sounds great for you <laughs> like, you know so 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 yeah we'll see where it all leads I guess but I'm interested Slumberger just uh, announced their Monaco thing in September I think it is their big client show Mm -hmm. And they've got the ocean logo there, and they use the word open about 20 times in the little video that they've put out. So I don't know if there's some kind of open API coming to ocean, but that would be a big deal. Cool. The view that I have from the, the, the view I have of this sort of revolution is more from the grassroots angle. And what I mean by that is I, I am in contact with a lot of people who are um, 
in the oil business right now, let's say, let's say like engineers and scientists who are in the oil business right now and are, um, are having fun playing with techniques like um, data science-y things and machine learning types of stuff. And they're like, how do I, how do I get a job doing this? Um, so there is a group, I just went to hang out with a group called the Houston Energy Data Science Meetup. You can find them on meetup.com and some other places. Um, they have a great group to, they've, they've assembled everybody in Houston who's interested in, you know, sort of sits at the intersection of um, geo and data science. And so I went to hang out with them a couple of weeks ago and um, really was kind of impressed by the amount of engagement that each one of the attendees had with, this was a panel discussion. So um, the panelists were hiring, some of them, and um, and the pe people got jobs at this event and they were kind of like transitioning. It was, I don't know, it was kind of, um, it was an uplifting, enlightening moment for these people and so it was exciting and inspiring to see like, mm wow, we can, this is a thing. People get jobs actually doing this instead of just hearing about it in the news outside of my industry. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged uh, that there's actual real investment in the space. Um, and then the other view I have is just from sort of, you know, the Gartner level perspective where I'm kind of poking around in the sales domain, trying to figure out where money is flowing to see if we can, um, recoup some of that and, and try to help people out with projects, right? So, so uh, it, like, I'm interested in the this uh, meetup and the, the job space, because that hadn't occurred to me that people were thinking, hmm, that'd be cool. Like, I'd like to go do this for a living instead of, <clears throat> you know, carrying on with interpretation stuff in a, an organization that maybe doesn't get it yet or whatever. Um, yeah. But are those, do you, is that recruiting happening into, you know, technology slash software data science oriented companies so that they can serve the oil and gas industry or the extraction industries? There's some of that, but there's also, um, there's, there are also, and again, this is, you know, my limited view, but um, there is also recruiting like cross business group inside of organizations. Um, and so specific, that event that I was at specifically, there were technology companies, um, a startup and a very well, a very well known established company, consulting company, um, that were looking for data science employees that had <clears throat> a strong background in the geosciences. Um, but then in the crowd, I met some people working inside of bigger companies that are, um, looking to sort of move people inside the org, uh, who have these quantitative skills or who in this case wanted to learn those skills. Um, so it was pretty encouraging to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think that's great. I think a, a bit of um, sort of fluidity in the, <laughs> excuse me, in the job market, uh, you know, is good for both sides of that equation. Yeah. And, um, you know, it might act also as a little bit of a added wake up call if, if people start uh leaving their sort of uh, subsurface exactly. positions and <clears throat> i think that's cool yeah exactly that that fluidity as you say there, there's a there's a 
slow rolling tsunami. Headed, yeah. To stay on our water theme, headed uh, in the direction of, of antiquated, of companies that utilize antiquated methodologies. Yeah, right. I mean, um, yeah, really cool. I mean, that's what, one of the messages that we've been trying to sort of promote in uh, as we teach the courses, you know, like we, we don't want to make a big deal out of this because we're usually doing it in-house for some employer that, of course, wants to keep their people. And I think training is a really great way to, <laughs> to show that you value people. Um, but, I mean, the reality is that it is uh, – a, a, a little bit of an insurance policy that a professional can have uh, uh, is a, a bit more digital in the way of digital skills. Yeah, one of the <laughs> one of the other observations, I guess, because you were asking about like what's the what's like the action, like what's really happening um, through all that hype that we were talking about, and one of the other things I'd say about what we see in the classes is because we, we do uh, people do projects in the class. So the last day, day five is um, people are working on their personal projects using what they've done in the class and using the fact that we're there and that they have each other there and don't have any meetings that day to actually get some cool stuff done yeah. uh, that they, you know, and hopefully that will kind of keep them going through the, the certain amount of pain they're going to experience as they continue to learn. And so, you know, we we get to see at that point a little bit of what kind of things they're struggling with and what kind of things they want to do in their work. And there's a there's a substantial gulf, let's say, between the stories that you hear, you know, the VPs and the digital gurus talking about at conferences and the daily reality of people trying to get work done in those same organizations. Right. It's like. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, <laughs> wow! Your organization has really switched on. That's amazing that you're doing all these digital transformation projects. Um, can't can't wait to work with you. And then, meanwhile, people are trying to export data from Petrel and load it into Pandas and make a plot of this one thing or connect to this database over here or reformat this crazy file that they got from a, uh, their reservoir engineer or their geologist or whatever. And that's actually people's daily reality. So, you know, I, I feel like the stuff is, I mean, and that's, that's our reality too, right? As data yeah. people is that is the work. That is the work. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's to focus, to focus on all the accuracy scores and the amazing predictions you can do is sort of missing the real story. <clears throat> Well, it's a necessary it's a necessary step. Yeah, and but it's the punchline. Yes. Only. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's not just true in in the oil and gas industry. That that's true across industries. We talk to a lot of companies in a lot of different spaces. In many cases, uh, the uh, established companies, shall we say, have don't don't ha haven't because they haven't been formulated based on a data strategy first type of initiative, um, they're not prepared to start doing, you know, like quantitative analytics. And that's a bit disappointing to management because the barrier to entry is so high. I mean, you have to spend tons of money to be able to organize all your stuff in a format that allows you to perform the, the slicing and the 
and the modeling and all that good stuff, right? So, yeah, investment to insights is is very high for um, established organizations, and um, I've been having a lot of fun working. I, I don't work extensively extensively with startups, but I've have been having a lot of fun recently um, working with some startups who have because they were formulated data strategy first um, are are now and have always been ready to do all the really hotshot analytics type of stuff. So one problem that I worked on recently, that my team worked on recently, is um, for a company called Kinsa Health. And so um, Kinsa is a healthcare company that sells digital thermometers, smart thermometers that connect to your cell phone. And um, they, they asked us to help them build a spatiotemporal model of, of the spread of influenza uh, and influenza-like illness across the United States. Um, so they have all this aggregated data from all over the country, right? And it's, it, I think it goes down to like the um, zip code level. Maybe it goes down to the county level. I don't know what the relationship there is. Um, so if you have in, all this information from all these different counties, you can actually build up a sort of temporally varying map over throughout history. And um, so we, we um, built a pretty sweet um, system based on on this this like link linked mesh of recurrent neural networks, and uh, and built up this this forecast for them. So uh, it's in beta right now, and um, it's rolling out soon. So check it out. And we have a I just posted a blog actually on our uh, on our website about the project. So it was oh, cool! Pretty, it was absolutely fascinating. I need to check that out. I don't think I. I'm ashamed to say I don't think I have your blog in my reader, which I've been totally ignoring for the last four months <laughs> anyway, but uh, there, I need there to are an ocean, an absolute ocean of blogs out there. Yeah. Um, but, so tell me, like, what are you, um, what is your practice area? Is it, are you, is energy still a thing for you or are you uh, more across the board, just anything machine learning? Yeah, uh, so energy is, is a subset of the customers that we're interested in working with. Um, we aren't specifically focused in oil and gas, um, but we do have clients in that space. The common thread, the only common thread that exists between our customers is that they're all so-called expert users. So geophysicists are expert users, right? Day traders are expert users. Um, mm -hmm. Civil engineers are expert users. So the 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 use cases that we like working on are ones that are like quantitative, um, which obviously lends itself well to data science and machine learning. Um, and then are very, the, the interactions with the system are usually very complex. Like think about your interpretive workflow as a geophysicist, like you need a lot of domain knowledge to perform that workflow. And when you are performing the workflow, you need things to be in the right places you need things to make sense in, in terms of the actual domain experience. Um, and so we don't necessarily focus on specific industries, but we do have some key focus areas. And one is, is the financial space. Um, so we do a lot of work for FinServe and FinTech companies. What was um, the first thing you said? Fin what? Financial services, FinServe. FinServe. There you go. I like it. <laughs> and, um, the thing that's really been sort of 
uh, I've been obsessed with over the last six, eight, ten months now is um, infrastructural engineering. So it turns out that there are all of these really complex problems going on in 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 a pretty wide array of array of industries, but um, like all across one horizontal swath, which is if you're trying to get stuff from one place to another place, and there may or may not be steps in the middle. So the classic example of this is a supply chain network where you've got like raw materials on one end and on the other end you have deliveries to customers. And in the middle, all this stuff has to happen to turn raw materials into finished goods. Hmm. Um, but then re related to this, and what we've found in the past year is that um, supply chains look a lot like other infrastructural engineering problems like um, uh, road networks, for instance. Um, so you can use a lot of the same techniques to mm -hmm. analyze um, infrastructure problems and let's say like, for instance, traffic problems using the same types of analysis that you use in supply chain analysis to like turn iron ore into high beams. Um, so I, man, it's been, it's been awesome. Just the past, you know, past year of like picking around, especially since we've talked, we've, we've been working on some um, just really fascinating projects. Like we used um, reinforcement learning, a, a, a fairly sophisticated system built out of a, like a, a um, container, like a grab bag of agents, of reinforcement learning agents, just like pick one and go type of things that scheduled uh, deliveries across. And actually there's a blog about this on the website as well. Um, so there are planes flying around the Australian outback and there are packages of medicine that need to be delivered to customers. And, um, and obviously this is a cartoon example. We can't show the, the real customer data, but um, the analysis type is the same. Um, and so the, the question is like, you could use operations research to solve that problem. That's classic, you know, it's basically like the vehicle routing problem. Um, but what we did was say, let us like forget about all of the, all of the um, rules driven approaches that have been used in the past, like mixed integer programming and things. And instead let's just focus on what the, let's, let's try to intricately define what the system looks like. And then let's just have these reinforcement learning agents run through it over and over and over again. And it turns out that you, you get just these beautiful solutions to these problems. Like for instance, hmm. um, in, in that blog, you'll see um, that one of these planes learns to wait. So there's all these packages popping up and they have to be delivered and all this stuff. And the agent, the reinforcement learning system learns that in in some settings it's actually better to just hold back a little bit and wait for the environment to change around it and that is that is a type of sophistication that i've never seen with any type of deterministic or operations research problem right. you think about an optimizer convex optimizer for instance like it's always trying to force down into the global minimum or local minimum or whatever but in this case, like there's there's a there's an aspect, a, a false aspect of, of 
human intuition in these systems. Just amazing. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, these blog posts, I'm just looking at that one in particular, they're really uh, rich. So, yeah, kudos to Ryan in this case. But uh, Ryan Brady. Yeah. The folks at Xpera who are putting these together is really nice. Yeah, thanks. We um, we're yeah we're pretty passionate about these things we're working on, and, and as you can tell, I mean they're very interesting projects. So yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, my feed reader, however, cannot find a feed for your blog, so you guys need to. I know, I know, feeds are rather old school. I'm gonna put a note. I don't even have a notes document. I'll put it but in the show notes. I haven't tried looking, but usually it finds whatever there is. Because that's the only way I can keep up with stuff. Otherwise, I'm just kind of hopeless. In the show notes now, because I didn't have a notes document up. Okay. Uh, so there is an absolute sea of information in these show notes. Uh, that we could walk through <laughs> trying to force it. Yeah, we got four or five shows worth of material sorted yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so these, you have a bunch of events in here. Are these upcoming? February 22nd. Yeah. So these are all upcoming. Yeah. Machine learning. I, yeah. Yeah. I, get, I, I mean, I just wanted to, I guess all it really was was that, you know, two years ago or even one year ago, you could sort of say, oh, yeah, I heard this is event happening in October. Um, but now that like I hear about something almost every week, it feels like. So um, I wasn't aware of the um, Dig X thing that I went to last week in Oslo until sort of I think it was even after Christmas. Um, uh, so that, you know, that was a sort of two day thing. Now, it you know, most of these things are just workshops, you know, they're, they're really just a bunch of talks. And in many cases, they're the, the, a bunch of the same talks, you know, so there's people like me who just show up at these things and give a talk that's quite similar to a talk you may have heard before, because uh, we, so we all tend to bang on about the same things. Anyway, um, so I will, I will say that, like, it hasn't quite got to the point where people are like, oh, yeah, let's, like, get together and do really cool stuff and write code and so on. But it's a, a really good start. People are talking about what they're doing. Cool. Um, are these yeah, all? One of them is even, uh, well, two of these things are hackathons. So there's EAG having a hackathon in a couple of weeks in Kuala Lumpur. Um which I really hope I know someone who's going because I really want to hear about how it goes. And there's another hackathon. They're all in the show notes. There's a couple more in February and March. But then there's a few Software Underground folks trying to get a hackathon to happen before EAGE uh, annual meeting, which is in London this year. So there's a London hack channel in Software Underground, uh, which you can go check out if you're interested in being part of that, being part of organizing it and or being there. Do you have talks coming up at some of these events? Uh, I do not have plans to go to any more conferences this year other than the two unconferences that we're organizing. Uh, where are the unconferences? Uh, so, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, I, I think I must have even... Uh, 
last year on the show, I would have talked about the one that's coming up in May. So it's the 5th to the 11th of May. It's happening in France. It's fairly bijou uh, as conferences go. It's only going to be about 40 people. Um, and the theme for that one is this idea of getting a bit of energy together around a subsurface stack for Python. So uh, trying to not unify the tools, but unify the approach to documentation, testing, installation, making these things, uh, making sure they all run on the platforms that people want them to run on. And um, getting to the point where we can sort of point at a roadmap and say, here's what we've got planned in the petrophysics world. And, you know, right now they're about, I discovered yesterday, I, I can't remember, but six or eight tools for geostatistics, for example, um, some of which are defunct. Some of them seem to be pretty cool. Um, but a newbie coming in there or a company that wants to look at doing geostats with Python is going to be like, I don't have time to. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, um, where do you start, right? And then you get in and discover that, oh, this one hasn't actually got a license or it's GPL'd or, um, or whatever. So I think we can, as a community, just start to get a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say organized. It's not about an organization of any kind, but a bit more deliberate and sustainable about our software creation. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's the theme for that one. And it's called Transform this unconference uh, i blogged about it today agilescientific.com or you can go to uh follow me on twitter or software underground there's a channel there for it too so lots of ways to get involved in that one sweet um let's see oh yeah there is a link there in the show that's cool you guys you guys at Xpero ever dabbled in open source do you guys have a github we have a github there's some stuff up there um we have some training courses and stuff. So there, there are little projects up there. Mostly it's just little science experiments and things. Yeah. Um, we have, I actually, I, I gave two online training courses uh, in 2018, which are recorded. One is intro to machine learning, one is intro to deep learning. And uh, they are not, open source i believe that costs money but they have i don't know go to the website or email me and we can hook you up with a discount code or something um cool anyway it was it was a lot of fun i i i really enjoyed um like i don't know thought leadership is such an overused <laughs> word but um yeah sort of just like public outreach and and hmm. getting in people's faces and talking about um, the, the projects they're working. I mean, that's one of the reasons we have this podcast, right? Just talk is figuring out what everybody else is doing. Um, so in that light, I'll be at, uh, Google next in April, giving a talk about a system we built extracting, uh, dimensionalities from 3d images taken like using a 3d camera. Um, so that'd be cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, what is that the yeah. new name for Google IO or is it a special machine learning conference or what is Google next? Mm, I should definitely know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that next is their cloud computing conference. Okay. 
So it's pretty big. Last year, I think it was like 28,000 people. And um, yeah, so I, I expect it to be larger this year. And um, there is a bit of a, there's a bit of a, a flavor there, as you can imagine, uh, in all of the talks about the, the Google Cloud stack. Um, so I, I mentioned that that's the, the talk I'm giving is a case study. And um, man, I've been just loving the, the Google Cloud stack. I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, Amazon's MO, right, is to, is to release not beta, but raw versions <laughs> of things and let developers figure out what, what they like and don't like. But um, if you're a data scientist or someone who's not an exceptional um, developer, you know, who wants to focus more on analytics than you want to focus on development, um, the, the Google Cloud stack just is, is wonderful for data science and machine learning in particular. Um, so the case study I'm talking about will be um, what was built on and will be talked about in the, in the light of a, a Google Cloud architecture. Hmm. So that, cool. are you on a SciPy? Uh, it's doubtful. Well, doubtful. You, I, do, I do, I would really like to. I'm pretty sure Diego's going to go. Um, you have seven days to submit a talk. Seven days. Okay. Yeah. To get I just submitted one. Get our crap together. Um, do you know if there's a because in recent past they've had a sort of Earth slash Geo subsession or whatever they call them? Uh, do you know if they're doing that again? They are doing that again. I when I um, submitted my talk, they gave me a list of all of the um, the various. Oh, okay. I forget what they call them. Tracks? No, something. Um, and I'm just trying to look it up now. Not doing a great job. Earth Sciences is on there. Okay. Yeah. Fun. All right. Well. Yeah, he hasn't been, so you know, um, he really needs to go to it because it's so great. Um, changed my life that conference. No. Yeah. No, I think it did. Huh. It definitely changed my professional life. Upped my aspirations. Uh, not sure three. Um, and that's Matt Hall speaking, folks. Yeah. It was. The beginning of a, of, of a lot of stuff. SciPy 2014, 2015. Nice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So uh, it's it's in Austin. So I'll be there. Um, yeah, of course. Cool. You're right there. Give a talk, and uh, if I don't get to give a talk, I will go and listen to some excellent talks. Don't miss the lightning talks. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're so good. There's so many great things about that conference. I know I've gone on and on about it before, but just so many eye-opening things. I feel like I, I'm, I think there are other conferences like that too. I know Jesper Dramsch said uh, I think it was PyCon that he went to, maybe PyCon UK, and said it was just an incredible conference in so you know in, in so many ways. Content vibe, um, the people there the stuff that they achieved uh, in a short amount of time, um, which is also how I felt about, about SciPy. And um, I would just love to see more scientists just go to those things, even if they don't consider themselves programmers or coders or whatever, just to sort of see what real-time participatory, collaborative energy feels like because I've never been to a scientific conference that feels anything like that. 
and that kind of makes me sad actually that because i because I, I there's no reason why we can't do that as scientists i mean everyone at sci-fi is a scientist you know i mean i guess i should just well that is it but it, you can't like geology conferences do not feel like that and uh, i don't really know why well we've uh rained down quite a bit of knowledge on our post today <laughs> oh we sure have be like um a water theme here and uh there's a lot more in the show notes to cover um, but we're not going to no thank yeah, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before we get to data lakes, and then we know we're yeah we've sold out. You know what I definitely should have done is prepared a um, a riddle. Me, this is what we used to call it for this show, but I didn't. So let's talk about what we're reading. I, I got a book. I, I got a book to send you. I just realized a book. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because you may have noticed in the in the show notes, the last sentence in there, or used to be the last sentence, is uh, what should I read next because I just finished my book last night. Okay. Which was Salt by Mark Kurlansky. I feel and like you read that before. Was it Chris Jackson that was reading that? No, it was Chris and he recommended it to me and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm glad I did. It was, it, was, um, it was interesting and quirky and fun, which is not something that you often find in a, in a history of human society book. That's what it focuses on, is it? It's a history. Yeah, I mean, since it's, it's, you know, it's told, it's like a cross section through human history, starting from like six thousand BC, um, through the lens of through the lens of salt, <laughs> salt lenses. So you're gonna you're gonna try and eat more salt now, in appreciation of it. Well, I won't. I'm not gonna. Let me not uh, spoil any endings of the book, but uh, they do touch on whether or whether or not you should eat salt. Uh, oh, okay. So, you gotta, you gotta read it. Cool. Um, what are you reading? Well, do I have a suggestion? I mean, I read anything recently that's really blown my mind. I have done not a lot of reading lately. It has to be said. I've been mostly in kind of totally burned out, can't even think straight kind of mode. <laughs> yeah, I know it's pretty sad. Um, teaching is. I mean, you know this. You you've taught you've taught live classes too, right? Yeah. To to human beings in a room. I mean, there. I was chatting to my sister about this. She's she she teaches like <laughs> reception class at primary school, so very small children. Um, so it's a bit of a different experience teaching Python to professional scientists and engineers. But we agreed that this must be a known phenomenon. But being in front of people all day like that and ostensibly the sort of leader as it were like the person who decides what's happening now we're going to do this and then there's a break and then we're doing that and you know ask me questions and i'll come help you and uh we're like live coding in the class too um it it drains you in a way that really hardly anything else drains you like there's something about it's almost like what, what I, you know, I've heard some cultures say about people taking photographs like it steals their spirit. You almost feel like it's something like that. Like there's something about being the source of energy for a group of people. Because and then of course, you know, sometimes, especially Monday morning, getting started, it's 8 a.m. People are yeah. like, oh, really? And 
you've got to be on and you're on till like 4 30 or whenever you finish and yeah it's it's brutal like it's it's awesome like i love being in the room but afterwards you're just like done anyway sorry so that's why you, yet you take your personal time to come here and be the energy of this show oh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so I am reading right now a book that I bought ages ago. Uh, I can't remember how I heard about it, but it's called Computational Fairy Tales. Mm -hmm. It's by Jeremy Kubica. And he writes a blog or wrote a blog. I think it might have sort of may have been in a blog that ran its course um, called something like I think it's called Computational Fairy Tales. And he, he sort of tries to map computer science principles onto a fairy tale narrative that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it was intriguing enough for me to um buy it and then start reading it and i'm always looking for ways to explain stuff right you know yeah. what's an array what's a <laughs> what's a computer like how uh, what, what do we how do loops work that kind of thing and that's basically what he does with these stories so if you're a teacher of computery stuff i think it probably is worth a read but you say you're not quite yet sure how you feel about it yeah I, it's very like it almost takes it takes the mapping a really long way down the fairy tale road <laughs> the analogy <laughs> is extended shall we say <laughs> so yeah it's uh i don't know it there's a you know it, that's one of the constant struggles actually in when you're teaching computery stuff is i don't know if you've heard people talk about the ladder of abstraction but it's yeah. like you're you're constantly running up and down the ladder of abstraction right so we try to map all of these principles onto geoscience stuff data workflows problems like that's how that's our kind of uh, mo for the course it's like that's why people choose us kind of thing and and i think that goes so far but sometimes you want a different kind of analogy um and so you know you can improvise a bit there but it is nice to have a consistent it's nice to have analogies that you can kind of keep coming back to right you remember how when we talked about loops okay well now imagine this um and that is quite it's quite hard to come up with those so that they work and don't feel shoehorned so um i admire what he's done with this and he's done a few actually i think i saw that there was another cs detective stories i think was his latest one so uh he sounds like he's got another spin on kind of computer science explanations cool yeah i'll put it on my list of books to evaluate this evening while i'm sitting around here trying to find a new book to read <laughs> okay um awesome Oh, yeah. Remember how we used to, uh, when we signed off this show, I would just ask you some random question <laughs> that you had to come oh, up with? I remember those days, yeah. Okay, so I guess we should do that. So, uh, Matt, um, we've had a whole episode with this water theme. So, um, if you were going to sign off a podcast about an episode with a water theme, what would you use? I really need the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and 